Hello, lovely listeners. Ernez here. So Nayland and I are still gearing up to do our deep dive into season eight, episode seven. Um, by the way, thank you so much to the listeners who have sent in emails about episode six, because there are some things that we missed and I cannot wait to address them on the next episode. So stay tuned for that. And if you still want to send in comments about the last episode, please do um, email us at in the workroom at gmail.com. So we will be back in the workroom within the week. In the meantime, I'm releasing our bonus episode of A Stitch in Time, episode two, where Nayland and I discuss the episode where fashion historian Amba Bachot walks us through the famous Arnold Feeney portrait by the painter Jan van Eyck and talks about its influence in art history and the significance of the textile from how it was manufactured and how that deep green color was made. Listeners, seeing Amba Bachot handle a textile that was dyed using stale urine is absolutely worth the watch. So, um, so yeah, so while Amber does that, uh, our favorite coven of historic sewers, Ninja, Harry, and Hannah, uh, recreate that elaborate green dress from the painting based in research and historic techniques, all the way down to how to iron that thing. So the entire season of Ascension Time is actually on YouTube. So if you have never, ever, ever, ever seen the show and are curious, I highly recommend that you take a look. So, I mean... We say this all the time <laughs> um, on uh, on the Patreon that this show packs a punch in about 30 minutes, uh, addressing fashion in historical, cultural, and social terms that really wonderfully contextualizes the garments that Amber eventually physically wears at the end of each episode. Um, so I'm putting that link in the show notes for you all so you can take a look if you have never seen the show. Lastly, um, so we released this episode right before the U.S. general elections. Um, so there is a blast from the past <laughs> where I mentioned my anxiety around waking up at the crack of dawn to go work at my polling place. So just a little heads up there. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode and Nayland's dulcet tones. We will be back here on the feed to get into this next episode of season eight. And until then... Please take care, and I'll say goodbye. Bye. Now, the crucial bit. Well responds very, very well to the addition of a little glug of this. So uh, hold okay. your nose. <laughs> Could you explain? I have a feeling yeah. that I might know what this is. Could you explain to me what this is? This is stale urine. This is minimum three-week-old urine. And we'll be talking about episode two, um, titled the, oh shoot. The Arnolfini Portrait. Arnolfini por Portrait. I, for some reason, the name Arnolfini, and I want to call it Arnolfini, and I know that's wrong. Yes, it's the Arnolfini Portraits. And um, yes, so, okay. Sh shall we just go into the episode? Let's, let's dive on in yeah let's 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 get into here um yeah so we are starting off at the national gallery and this is an introduction to what this week's outfit will be inspired by and it's going to be inspired inspired by the jan van eyck painting of the arnolfini family <laughs> mm -hmm. um which is from go ahead 1434 okay Yes. Okay. So 
um, can we have a whatever whatever art history you know about this nail line? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> I, well, I, I don't know if I can really go deep on it, but um, it it certainly is a. Um, I mean, it depicts a couple. Yes. Um, and and their dog in a uh, you know in a um, richly appointed chamber. Yes. Um, and and everything about it is very um, very luxe, in a sort of fifteenth century way. Right. Um, so you got sumptuous hangings. You've got this whole interior. One of the things that's sort of famous about it. Um, and maybe one thing I should say is that um, uh, if you sort of want to follow along, you can go to the National Gallery website, mm -hmm. um, and they have a very helpful, um, a very helpful uh, little mini page on the Arnolfini portrait, mm -hmm. um, which allows you to zoom in quite closely yes um and uh and and i the thing that i always um uh you know heard was so sort of famous about about uh about the portrait was um the fact that you when you get really close up on it you can see the um you see the couple from the front and from the back. Right. Um, which, uh, I, uh, so I will go a little deep on art history here. One of the big, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the big arguments in Western art history is um, bragging rights over what's, uh, which is better, painting or sculpture. Okay. And one of the big uh, arguments in favor of uh, sculpture is that you can walk all the way around it. You can see everything, right? right. You go all the, you know, you can see it in, in 360 degrees. So um, a big, uh, you know, a, a big um, flex for painters was coming up with ways that you could include um, 360 degrees of you um, in a painting. So sometimes you have somebody who uh, is, you have three different characters mm -hmm. in a painting, but they're all posed in the same way and they're all seen from different angles. Mm -hmm. So that you're you're seeing all of the, all the ranges of the pose. Hmm. Um, um, in this painting, uh, you see uh, at the back wall on the other side of the couple that we're looking at, um, you get to see that there's a sort of mirror with a, a, a sort of fisheye lens mm -hmm. mirror behind them. Yeah. And you can just make out uh, what seems to be the painter on the other side. Yes. Um, so it's a tiny bit of a self-portrait, but it's so it's so um, minuscule that you can barely make it out. It's also a painting that gives you the inside and the outside. Their window is open, and you get a little glimpse out of the window mm -hmm. um, in both directions. So it's it's a um, it's a kind of boastful painting in in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, I mean, it's one thing because I'm because so, I'm on the um, the National Gallery, uh, nationalgallery.org.uk website mm-hmm. right now, and it's it's really wonderful in how the resolution is is amazing. So you can you know can uh, zoom in so um, so so closely to get a lot of the detail and the the mirror on the back. So we'll and we learn a lot about um, so the Arnolfini family is um, is Italian. And that a lot of the things that are depicted in this painting um, point to their source of wealth. And what I really love is that on the back, there is, that mirror is the stages of the cross. <laughs> it's very Catholic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Super, super Catholic. And above it is actually um, Jan um, Van Eyck's, uh, uh, he, uh, he, he scrolls his name on the, on the far, far back On the wall. wall. And so in, in terms of talking about them showing off their wealth, it's fascinating to hear this from you because it's also a Jan van Eyck flex as well. As well. Uh-huh. More, more so for him, it seems like, really, than for the couple themselves. It's mm-hmm. like this interesting exchange. And also in the, in the mirror, there is that blue. Is, there is someone in blue. Is that supposed to be the painter? Is that supposed to be van Eyck? Yeah, that's that's some of the thinking. Interesting. But it, there, yeah. Hmm. Because it's also a very yeah. brilliant blue, where I'm like, wow, even that's it's a beautiful color. But yes. It's so small. Yeah, and we get there's some rosaries on the wall. Mm-hmm. We get you know we get a whole lot of a whole lot of stuff. Wow. Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on in this painting, and that's something that Amber, our host, points to. She characterizes that characterizes it as one of the most complex paintings in art history and also one of the most controversial ones because there have been so many different interpretations and also what this couple represents in terms of class representation class mobility mm-hmm. at that time in uh the middle ages so in the in the 15th century um Anything else, Nalen? I could I, I could just listen to you all day and talk about this painting. There's so much going on. I know we have to move on, but anything anything else? Because she so we can talk about the controversy. I think this is where um let's see here. Yeah, I, yeah, just co- sort of how there's a lot of um issues of class going on here, um uh culture and and so many markers of of, of again where where the wealth comes from in fur and fabric and what's so wonderful about this is because this these were real people that you can actually find historical documents um about their actual biography so that's another mm-hmm. thing that's wonderful about this portrait is that there is so much public knowledge public information about who these people were that you mm-hmm. can make your interpretation of what was actually going on in this painting um and that it's so in a, in a sense, very literal, um, but, and, and conspicuous. And I think it's hearing a little bit more about, uh, this whole war between, not a war, I shouldn't say that, you know, this thing between sculpture and painting and how this could be a conversation. And it's very, um, I think it's, it's very wonderful and kind of, uh, I find it hilarious because as photographers, (laughs) I mean, I think about this very photographically as well in how mm-hmm. um, thinking about the perspective and thinking of reflection, but also, you know, the little tiff between, you know, painting and photo as well. Mm-hmm. So, 
Well, and that's and and I think the thing it's one of the things that I like about the show is that um, it's it's ostensibly about about clothes. Right. But it is also a real invitation to look at all of the stuff around us um, much more closely. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend folks to go take a, you know, go take a look at um, at the version at the at the site on the, uh, on the National Gallery. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you take a look, the carpet that's there mm. is probably not European in origin. So that says something else about the trade. Wow. That's 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 oh, going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the things that that um, that we don't even really think about, but that um, Burchard mentions is the fact that there's like five oranges in the painting, which is um, also a real signifier of wealth because they're um, citrus fruits, pretty rare in Mm in, um, you know, uh, at this time. And so that's that's kind of amazing to kind of think about, like. Um, how rare it might be to eat an orange. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, another signifier. I, and I yeah. just kind of love how, you know, last time we were talking about pineapples. Mm-hmm. This week is oranges. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what those What those mean. Yeah, because um, I see oh, – there must be one before. I'm looking for the fifth orange. But, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think there. I think it's. I think it's pretty cool. Um, it's. I. It also. Um, one of the other things I really delight in is that um, Amber really tries to uh, dress in a way that is <laughs> um, somehow related to the subject matter of the show. Oh yeah, because the most important reason why she chose this portrait is because she <laughs> likes the color green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So those of you who are like, uh, redheads wearing green, I'm so tired of it. Well, you get no, you get no truck with with Amber in this. Yeah, no. Episode. She's like, I'm going to wear all of the shades of green on my yes. head. Is a is a is a turquoise, yes. velvet dark turquoise, and then around my neck is a gold emerald, and then around my shoulders is. <laughs> yeah yeah she's got all the green she's got on. a choker she's got some lace going on like it's a good outfit it and, yeah i'm yeah. not complaining at all it's great yeah <laughs> she puts it all she puts it all <laughs> yeah. together very very well um yeah. yeah yeah uh so we're dealing with a lot of green green is key yes for this episode and we'll find out a little bit more about what that means later on mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, so then we we'd zip off to the to um to the the you know the workroom mm-hmm. to uh, um, to to talk with Ninja. Yes, and I love how for Ninja is like oh so much fabric. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're doing here is just a shit ton of fabric. <laughs> it's just like yeah, yeah. So <laughs> which I love because uh, she has. Um, an image so she's working she's working on an ipad looking on an ipad of the painting um with amber to go mm-hmm. through and they're focusing first on the sleeves 
because um, they're having to, again, pick apart this this outfit. So they're going to make um, the the outfit that the wife is wearing. And the hanging sleeves are a mystery, it looks looks like. But what Ninia knows is that it's just layers and layers and layers of fabric that are cut with a pinking tool um, and also very fragilely drapes. So, mm-hmm. and, and the explanation for what the fabric is, is, is another callback to last week, um, mm-hmm. which is broadcloth, but this is a different type of broadcloth. It's, what is it? It's, it's doe skin. Doe skin. It's yes. Doe skin. And doe skin is a type of wool that when draped in a certain way, catches the light. It's got this, really really luxurious texture because of a very specific type of treatment that this wool goes through um but again like just you're she's gonna need a lot of doe skin mm-hmm. um and again so associated with this luxurious opulence of the fabric mm-hmm. and uh and fur trim oh yes oh my gosh um, um but what kind of fur trim is that <laughs> <laughs> well, she we she's guessing that it's Arctic Fox. Arctic Fox. I, <laughs> because for me I'm like, is that is that I mean, is that Russian? Because where are Arctic foxes? I, I just yeah, I mean, thought I, I think I think you probably um I I think uh probably at that point, yeah, you want it it would be like a Russian a Russian mm. thing, yeah, yeah. So it's um, Arctic fox, but they're not going to use real fox fur. They're going to going to use faux folks mm-hmm. fur, folks fur, mm-hmm. um, and also quite quite a bit of that as well. Um, but again, and 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 here's where Ninia brings in a little bit of the history behind the use of these types of fabrics because wool is is very heavy and fur also is very Mm -hmm. warm but the the whole idea is that um the whole thing is probably lined because it's just meant to you in a utilitarian way meant to keep the wearer very very warm Mm -hmm. um yeah all right so we go back to the national gallery after we leave Nina to go speak with Jenny Graham who is an um, art historian and takes us a little bit deeper into the painting what do you think about Jenny um I thought she was great you know um she gives she gives us a a, a fair amount of um uh, you know a fair amount of background yeah yeah um brings up the phrase conspicuous consumption mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, um, uh, we hear that even, uh, that, that, that this painting is one of these paintings that just gets talked about a lot. Um, uh, and, um, you know, that, that, that Dickens mentions it. I don't know exactly where Dickens mentions it. Yeah. I don't know either, but Dick. But Dickens mentions like, oh, that strange reflective painting um, referring to the mirror yes. in the back. Yes. Um, and 
I mean, not unlike um, Velasquez's Los Meninas mm-hmm. um, or Las Meninas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, you know, but they talk about the fact that um, for a while people thought that um, the, the woman in the painting is, was pregnant um, because of what of how she's standing mm-hmm. um but that doesn't uh that's been sort of discredited yes. um it's more that she's it's more that she's holding up there's so much fabric that she's holding it uh, up in front of her yep and i didn't know that until this episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've always thought that she was with child um also because of sort of the their hand gestures to me are very renaissance like mm-hmm. um renaissance paintings which are um uh and and i always thought that there was some gesture to um uh to to the virgin mary mm-hmm. um and so to hear this i was like oh no no, no, no. The, it's just a gigantically expensive dress with a lot of fabric and um she's just holding up all of the expensive wool that would be pulled around her, her feet if she weren't holding it. Mm-hmm. She's not pregnant. Yeah. Well, and and that the um, and that one of the ways that you signaled um, wealth was that you did not have to work, which meant that you didn't have to move around a whole lot. Right. So, so the fact that you were wearing like these big heavy clothes meant that um, you were just basically. Um, other people were going to have to attend to you. Right, right. And um, thinking practically in this portrait, perhaps, you know, if she hadn't been holding it up, then where would the dog go? The dog. Well, also, not, we, yeah, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't see her, her shoes. We wouldn't mm-hmm. see the other um, shift that she has underneath. Right. Blue shift. Um, yeah. We probably wouldn't um, see that rug. There's a yeah. lot that, that would cover I, up. I will also say Van Eyck, not so good with the dog. <laughs> uh, it's not a great <laughs> dog. So, uh, you, you're thinking that, um, Van Eyck could brush up a little bit on, uh, the, the fur treatment. Uh, so the fur treatment on the sleeves of, of the dress is okay, but you're saying like, not the dog fur. Is that what you're saying? I, I, it's it's more like the dog anatomy. The dog looks a little bit like its head is kind of a ball that's been stuck on a kind of sausagey body. <laughs> and to and to be fair, like dogs move around a lot more than humans do. <laughs> like like getting a dog to sit still. I would say that, I mean, now that I've zoomed in on the dog, uh, the dog's face looks a little bit too human to me. So I, I kind of, I, 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 bo- I think yeah. that would make more sense where he's like, well, I guess I'll just put on some pretty eyes on your face. Like the, the face is just a little bit too quaffed to be believable <laughs> as a dog. The features are very much like this dog um, speaks whole sentences and perhaps also has a little staff of maybe little, you know, furry mice that waits on it or yes. something. Um, <laughs> but also it's kind of just kind of like copied and pasted there. It, I, I, I really 
just didn't really notice the dog until you 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 mentioned that there's a dog. Like I've I've looked at this, this painting quite a bit and just have never paid attention to the to the dog at all. Yeah, dog doesn't have much to do with the rest of the composition. Although I'm sure that it's there for a um uh an an ideological reason. It's probably I mean it's not a hunting dog, Is it right? An expensive lap dog. It, Maybe yeah, maybe that's maybe that's the thing. Is yeah, that it's it doesn't work like, either. Yeah. <laughs> no one, no one <laughs> really works if they don't have to. Um, no. Yeah. No, this is pure like extravaganza eleganza. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what kind of. Do you know what kind of dog this is? Uh no, it looks like it could be like a. Um, I don't want to say like a Pomeranian. Is that right? Okay. No. But definitely something you could fit into a purse. This is a purse size. <laughs> so that means something. Wow. This is so great. This is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look at Las Meninas because I, in that portrait, all I remember is just the, the stories about um, being inbred <laughs> and their uh, faces. Uh. And so with this, I'm like, wow, there's just so much more going on. I wonder what that dog symbolizes in terms of you know, their status. This is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So, well, okay. So, so yes. And then, and then, so um, talking about this um, in incredible, all of these, you know, these, these markers of, of wealth in, in the painting and uh, uh, what is her name? Uh, Jenny Graham continues to talk about how that they, we know that they traded in cloth and then she, she talks about the color green too. That mm -hmm. green is a color associated with high finance and banking and not simply because of just the color green as I think this is where we typically get the idea of green being associated with money from because she said when you complete, completed a trade in Italy, one would place down a green cloth. And so I'm just like, I would love to know what that looked like mm -hmm. so if you're in a transaction and you're you're going back and forth you are um uh you finalize and you close the deal and then you just kind of pull out a cloth from your pocket or you go in the back mm. and get some really special piece of green cloth and put that down and is this for a public show how many people need to witness this laying down of the green cloth and is it done dramatically or you know i'm just so interested about because I never would have thought that she she would say yeah. that it's just you place down a green cloth, and so that's what signifies, um, uh, that's that's what this is associated with. This is a, not just money, but it's a high, it's a deal, it's it's mm -hmm. trade. So well, it also made me think about um the it made me think about casino tables, right? Like yeah. that, like that uh that all of those all of the felt in those when you think oh. about like. Um, you know, uh, craps tables and card tables and things like that, that they're all, um, you know, I immediately think of like green felt for those. Yeah. Hmm. And so I wonder if that's like a vestige of like the association of that with a kind of like opulence I... is sort of trickled down into. Hmm. That's interesting. Wow. So I want to know about all the green. Now I'm thinking about <laughs> tennis courts. 
<laughs> stuff stuff is the way it is for reasons. I know. Pool and tables. Like billiard tables. Like, oh, it's yeah. green. That's green too. Huh. Wow. Okay. So, um yeah. meanwhile, back at the back at the coven, mm-hmm. the the fashion coven, um the uh the sleeves are proving to be uh difficult yes for our for our um intrepid uh sewers um in part because it's hard to get a good look at how they're actually constructed yes but then there's some debates about um what's sort of coming off of the bottom of them Mm -hmm. yeah um because they're not sure if so they're they're like they agree that there are layers of of cloth but they're not sure how it's draped and how mm-hmm. you get that volume at the same time and then how you connect it to the the rest of the garment the rest of the garment mm-hmm. and um and so because what they're trying to do is experiment with how they're able to drape it so that it looks that it has this this delicate edge um but then is also secured because again, this fabric is super, super heavy. And if it's going to be layered, um, you know, I, I, and I'm, this is just me um, putting it in, but you don't want it to drag the sleeve and you don't want it to um, uh, necessarily pull the fabric in a certain way where it doesn't have the volume. And, you know, just, they're just basically figuring out the architecture of it on this Muslim. Um, and it's, it's, it's Muslim. It's really, really great um this here because it's sort of like a you know theory in the works Mm -hmm. um and i think at the end this is where ninja is like let me just try it in wool and we'll see if this works Mm -hmm. so yeah you know i and i just i i love them so much (laughs) like (laughs) like they're like the they're like the three fates right (laughs) (laughs) They are so different. <laughs> there they there they are, like weaving together people's destiny. <laughs> in their own in their very distinct types of personalities, but they, they but they have their own um even though um we have Hannah who is clearly um the 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 one with the least amount of experience, yes. they're still highly skilled. All of them. Yeah. Technically highly technically skilled. Yeah. And trying to figure all of this out. <laughs> yeah, they feel so archetypical. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, um Yeah. And then uh we you know um we get a bit more about um how how extravagant this dress is. Mm-hmm. We hear from Jeffrey Chaucer complaining about like what are these ridiculous people who have these clothes that are so gigantic you can't even walk around in them? Yeah. <laughs> they're all they're doing is like they they waste all this money on all this really expensive fabric and then they drag it around in the mud and the yes. crap that's out in the street. Like, oh, what's the point? Oh, all of the <laughs> all of the the chiseling and the holes and yeah. so much shearing the and whole costly array of clothing. And I just thought it was so great because like, oh, wow, because last week we were talking about uh, King Charles II's clothes and how there's so much chiseling and mm-hmm. and shearing, but it had to look 
um, demure. It was you were tamping down on the the wealth and opulence. And here we have the merchant right. class people in the Middle Ages being like, "Hey, let's ramp that that up." And Chaucer yeah. was not into it. And Chaucer is an is a representation of that traditionally noble class who are just looking at these people going like, what? Your clothes are more expensive than mine? So much more, so much more obviously cons uh, expensive than mine? <laughs> For why? <laughs> <laughs> this is sinful. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we get to hear about, uh, about wool and English wool. Yes, because we go to a place, we don't get the name, but it's a place that's been making doe skin for more than 200 years. No big deal. Right. Just 200 years. Yeah, which is uh, which is the place that's basically making the fabric that they're that's being made into the dress. Yes. Yeah. Um and it goes from from beginning to end cuz we get to see except we don't, you know, we don't see the sheep. Um we just see what comes off the sheep. <laughs> and it goes into um these various machines and um, and Amber explains that, of course, this would be back in the 15th century. This would all have been done by hand, but we get to see it aerated and then they card it where they form it into strands and then they slub it, which they make into yarn, like, mm -hmm. like, a like fibers, um, stronger fibers. They put it into spools and they weave it into the cloth. And then the final one of the there is a process that makes it specifically dough skin where it's washed and beaten so that it feels like it has a texture of felt essentially mm -hmm. but also so you can cut into it without it fraying at the ends and then then there was this whole conversation around tenter hooks yes and, i loved that okay do you, so you've heard you okay so you have you heard of tintering before tinterhooks or yeah i've heard i've heard the expression being on tinterhooks oh. i didn't know that this was where it was from oh i thought it was something that was very uh specifically british <laughs> or maybe it is i mean it could be i mean there's there's the thing right like right. a lot of what i read as a kid you know i i i mean it, you know, it's a kid I read like Winnie the Pooh and Wind in the Willows and mm -hmm. Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe and things like that, which are all, you know, that's all, um, all tender. You know, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it would all have like Anglicisms right. in it. So, I, you know. I miss that phrase. Um, yeah. The, and the phrase is being kept on tinder hooks. And I thought, is this some wild, violent medieval torture stuff? Like, what, what does that mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is it? Would it? Is that what it kind of means? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, okay. no, no, no. It refers to um, a process whereby the fabric is, after after being washed, is is sort of hung out to dry. Yes, but I'm also wondering if, <laughs> if it had any references. So yeah, because the tinter hooks is what they fix the uh the fabric onto and they keep it out in the sun or keep it outside to to, to make sure it dries um i just yeah i just actually was wondering if it actually uh the expression comes from or was used from the middle ages to describe some type of torture i don't know but maybe not 
I no, I think it, no, I think it really comes from the fact that you have to wait for it to dry. Oh. And so it's, and so here I am, like, yeah. tell me, you know, I, give me your news. Like, tell me what you're going to tell me. I'm on tenterhooks. Oh. I'm like, I'm, I'm hanging here, like, wait, waiting, like. Okay. In oh. eager anticipation. Okay, so like I'm on pins and needles or something like that. Yeah, uh, yes. It still also sounds kind of strange. yes. Okay. Yes, yes. All right. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, what was there was something else about it. I also kind of love. I mean, the, you know, I am a materialist, so I love the moment where they um, just take the loose bits of wool. And pull them apart and then twist them a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And make it so it's harder to pull it apart. It's like, <coughs> you know, that's like a great little bit of like showing while you tell. Yeah. That, that like, it's like, oh, yeah, that's how you get from like a short fiber to something that's actually strong. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I really, I really did enjoy that too. Because it's sort of um, demonstrating what the machines were doing uh, and also what they would do by hand. And that's where I think that's what they she called carding it. Yeah. When you twist it, yeah, you yeah. twist it to make it a stronger fiber. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Because all of this, you know, we don't really know the timing. But, of course, it, it wouldn't have taken nearly as long as it would have taken to uh, to be done by hand for this for the uh for this couple in the in the painting to make their uh dough skin um mm -hmm. but also but again adding on to how incredibly expensive this process was to get this dough skin right so um what i what i thought was interesting is i i so it's it is the green that um is on that the, that is a color in the painting Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I, I was just like, oh, they're going to just kind of, this is the fabric. They're not going to, they're not going to dye it. And we'll, we'll talk about the, the dyeing later, but, um, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so they, so yeah, this is the fabric that they're actually going to be, uh, to be using because to do it by hand would be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, so then we leave this 200 year old, um, wool factory and we're back to the coven to check on progress. Mm -hmm. So Nina has uh, draped and sewn. I would say the main part of of the um the of the dress of the outer garment. Mm -hmm. And again, because uh, the cloth isn't as wide as as it would have been, she had to sew a few extra pieces and has sewn it to the bottom of the of the garment in a way so that she, she hides the extra seams because there again there's a lot a lot of fabric being used on this garment and um then they're starting on the sleeves using the pinking contraption mm -hmm. so it's time for Bouchard to do some pinking mm -hmm. and um she's got a chance to redeem herself from those awful buttonholes that she made last week <laughs> well, and also that this is a time before pinking shears. Right. Like I'm I'm I remember like just being fascinated with my mom's pinking shears. Yeah. In in her you know, sewing kit. 
Yeah, which are um, scissors. Yeah. Modern day scissors. Yeah, with a zigzag yeah. blade. Um, but uh, we didn't have that in the 15th century. No, we didn't. So instead, we have this um, punch. Um, and if you're if you're familiar with leather work, it's the same principle that you that you basically have a metal punch um, with a zigzag pattern in it, mm-hmm. and you punch that through the fabric. Yeah. Yeah. And it's another thing that uh, another lesson from Nina about why basically just kind of this type of fabric allows you to do this because this um, pinking pattern that they'll be doing will lend to the really delicate little frilly parts of the sleeve. Mm-hmm. But also because of the quality of the, of the dough skin when you do that, it doesn't fray at the edges. It's right. The fabric allowing you to, to do stuff to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think about this part? I, I, you know, I love this. We, we, we then go into like pleating and how to, and, and how to sort of reverse engineer the pleats. Oh, I love this part too. It's <laughs> oh, <so> great. <laughs> because once again, I, I mean, like, hooray for sculpture and hooray for engineering we hear about the fact that it's like well yeah you know you could do this pleating um but at the second anybody like walked around it would all sort of fall come out like it would it would totally rearrange itself and it wouldn't make any sense yeah so we've learned that people have to that that um they've devised a system to sew a backing of linen Mm mm-hmm um, behind the pleating to sort of give it some some stability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we hear about um, uh, the fur. Yes. And sort of how um, she brings out this huge bale of, of faux fur because mm-hmm. they figured out that the entire dress is lined in fur, not just the sleeves. Um but and I'm I'm wondering if they did this through research or if they looked at the bulk of the dress and they um you know just sort of surmised that underneath is still uh, it's still lined with fur. But also the story of um, perhaps you know the time of year um, and the function of this of this outer garment. Then to add to the warmth of it, perhaps the wool isn't warm enough. And of course you would line it with Arctic fox fur. Mm-hmm. Um, so. <laughs> well, and also if you take a look at his at at the man's uh, garment in mm-hmm. the in the painting, um, his is similarly um, edged in fur, and you can you get a little bit more of a glimpse because his sleeve is not so elaborate, right, right, more of a slit, and you can sort of see that that is fur lined. Yes, yeah. Um, I actually thought that his entire outfit was in two types of fur like it was sort of or am i wrong um if if you the outside of it is um is not okay it's not fur okay no if you take if you take a look um here i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm zooming in again is it leather um it looks to me like it's a a uh, a a two colored 
um, uh, broadcloth similar to what she's wearing. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, just because of the um, the quality of it, it looks a little furry to me, but not as long. Like the hairs aren't as long, so I just and I kind of thought that yeah. the outside was all fur. No, I think if you look at the out, if you look at his back, mm-hmm. um, if you look at where his arm is coming out of the sleeve, you can see like fur edging yeah. on that slit, and then the part that's behind it. There's no real indication of fur to me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I see that. Hmm. Okay. So, anyway. Well, a lot of fur is going on. (laughs) That's basically what the conclusion is. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of fur. So this is really something that's that's in between, like, a dress and a coat, as we would think of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um. Something that's not very functional, and probably because uh, they're so wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we talking about the wearability of it, or what it actually would be? It's of course it's going to be a coat dress, in a way that you've never. Um, that's not that's not very uh, useful. Um, all right. So now it's time to get down to some fabric dyeing. Yeah. So we 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 find out that like. Blue dye um, is was uh, relatively common at mm-hmm. that point, um, but uh, the deep tones uh, required something more and were more difficult to get. Yes. And now we go to um... <laughs> your favorite person. Really, of one the of epi- my favorite. The star thing. of the episode. And. and and yours too, I think. I, I okay. So we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit now about Debbie Bamford, uh-huh. <laughs> who specializes in traditional dyeing techniques, and um, I just loved it because from the very beginning, Debbie is telling us about why green is not as common as blue. Because you need two dyes to make it. Mm-hmm. it so uh, going back to um, our, our color theory lessons. <laughs> so green is yellow and blue together. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to get, as you were saying, to get that deep of a color, it meant that you had to it, spend more time in the dyes. Right. Um, and so the longer you spent to get these dyes, the more expensive it would get. But I, you know, Debbie is using all of the traditional things. There's a barrel filled with the grossest smelling concoctions of things. And um, she's got a table with all of yep. the, the, the natural plants, the herbs, the, the plants. Yeah, all the herbs and the spices that are the natural colors or the, the uh, authentic colors that one would use to perhaps maybe make something yellow in the 15th mm-hmm. century. So for yellow, she's using weld or she calls it Dyer's rocket. It looked mm-hmm. like a grass to me. Yeah. And they tie it up in a fabric and they dip it into this hot, gross smelling liquid in her barrel in the middle of mm-hmm. of um of this 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 room where of uh, the dying room. And then Debbie brings out an <laughs> Erlenmeyer flask. <laughs> and I saw that I was like, it's an 
Erlenmeyer flask all the way back to, you know, like biochemistry days. And she tells Amber, Amber, you might want to hold your nose. And then Amber's like, um, before you open that, I think I might know what that is. And then Debbie's like, no, you don't. You have no idea what this is. Just, okay, so what is this? It's, um, it's stale urine. It's mm-hmm. it's stale three week old urine. Um, I'm gonna pour it in here. <laughs> she opens it, and then it, pours, it goes into the vat. And it goes into the vat, and she makes a point to say, "This is not giving it the color. <laughs> I'm not staining this this fabric urine yellow like this. This is just to pull out the um. This is to pull out the uh out the it, color." It, yeah, it activates yes. um, the uh, the other chemicals in the plant. Yes, um, and and so this is I. So I looked up because I have dabbled in dyeing um, mm-hmm. before and and using natural things because you can use like you know onion skins or turmeric or yeah um, those types of things and also you need. Um, uh, like I, I used to save a lot of avocado pits because the pit you can use the pits to help set colors and mm-hmm. and so but I've also I also know that probably what is the active activating agent in the stale urine is urea. Mm-hmm. Did you think this or? No, no, go ahead. I am revel in your expertise. Okay, so um, from the very few Googling trips that I took about this, because just to confirm my theory, because urea, you can you can just buy it from like, you know, Jacquard or, or from uh, other companies that, uh, that sell dyeing products. And urea actually just um, makes it so that the dye sets in deeper into the fabric and it works mm-hmm. on the fabric and it works on the dye to kind of help it um set set deeper and and longer but mm-hmm. what she's saying i'm wondering also um if it also this particular thing works on the thing that it, well for instance like for for this the dye would be the weld so the urea is actually working on whatever is the um is the pigment coming out of the weld mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I thought was so fascinating because I'm like, wow. So then, I think it's pretty much the a similar process. Um, I didn't confirm it, but it, but you can use urea, and urea is something that you would use to kind of help set the color um, mm-hmm. uh, a lot better. Um, and then I, and then I, what I love is that so this whole time Amber is wearing gloves, and then as soon as you know they pour in the stale urine, uh, Debbie puts in her hands ungloved. Just mm-hmm. working that stuff in Amber's face. Amber's face. <laughs> when Debbie's like, yeah, 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 no, no, no. You know, this is stale urine. I can, I can use my fingers. <laughs> Pulling out the color, <laughs> but not urine color. It's the color of the weld. Mm-hmm. So, um, you, what, what are your favorite things about this whole thing? I just, well? you know, it's, um, you know. Debbie does that like super no nonsense um, Britishness really really well, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh, and and I I very much appreciate it. Um, I do also, um, 
you know, it's again, here's one of these things that uh, makes you realize that what you know, I, to get a little highfalutin at a moment, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it used to be that value that things were valuable for very discernible reasons. Hmm. Um, so something connoted luxury um, because of like the rareness of a material that made it up or the amount of time that it took. Right. So one of the things that she says here is like, yeah, green fabric takes, it it takes twice as long to make a green fabric than to make a yellow fabric or a blue fabric. Right. And so that's that's why it costs more you know it's a very like common sense thing we live in a time where where value is really divorced from those things yeah. and and accrues to stuff simply because of a kind of consumer desirability right yeah like it doesn't cost us any more to manufacture a blue shirt than it does for us to manufacture a purple shirt or for us to manufacture a, a you know a, a yellow shirt or a red shirt mm-hmm. so the only thing that makes a particular the only thing that makes that strawberry dress the dress of the summer and so much more like desirable is really just taste right yeah yeah and that, uh, all that these dress other... isn't yeah intangible factors as well not intangible but um well yeah that that had nothing to do with the manufacturing of it or the time spent it could be so and so's wearing it yeah that's why it's so expensive yeah literally intangible because you can't touch them yeah whereas the thing that i i like about all of this stuff is that it's all about touching it right and and one of the things that i thought about in this is like oh okay so if you worked in a dyer's household probably one of the things that you did is that you never threw out your chamber pot yeah right <laughs> right yeah. like the whole family was probably involved in like saving urine <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's like it yeah yeah you know um and even that I, that's what i thought about because every time they opened one of those um little you know doorways yeah. to the vats it would let us smell out yeah um and she said you know to get the green that they were going for in the painting you would have to do this process mm-hmm. two or three times at least two maybe three times right. and to think about the amount of time that these people in back in the medieval days would have to spend with this smell um mm-hmm. you know and going back to even making the dough skin, um, this is a lot of discomfort <laughs> making yeah. these beautiful, beautiful things. And I, it's and it's just it's saturated with work. It's saturated with color, work, and with time. Yeah, um, yeah, that's so interesting, man. Yeah, I actually just also thought about the straightforwardness of the cost of it like mm-hmm. how how would you price it and that's something that is really difficult with especially thinking about 
even artworks and and how do you price these things to mm-hmm. think about this she was like oh yeah yeah no um green would be more expensive because it takes longer it was mm-hmm. really comforting to hear that <laughs> it's just so straightforward yeah, yeah. double the price so they yellow. yeah we get our yeah. our fabric um comes out of the yellow goes into the blue mm-hmm. comes out of the blue and then one of the things that's really interesting is that once it comes out it's it also then reacts to what I assume is like the oxygen in the mm-hmm. air. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, if you think about like um, copper oxidizing, mm-hmm. right? So there's this there's this chemical reaction that continues after it um, after it comes out. Yes. That is still part of it. Yeah, because as they're they just kind of set the fabric there. When they took it out at, the, at first, it looked more like you could still see some yellow. Mm-hmm. And then as it sat, it became more green. Um, just beautiful. Just so yeah. great to watch this chemistry happening. Yeah. And speaking of tangible, mm-hmm. we go next to what, Ernest? We're going back to the coven. We go back to the coven and we... what's going on there? Oh, my goodness. So, oh, no, iron. <laughs> There's iron drama. So I just I love this part because like, oh, Nina is finding out that not all of the 15th century uh, techniques are uh, suitable for or compatible with modern life. So heating up an iron is pissing Nina off. Like Nina is she's not she's not really upset. But I in, in my mm-hmm. in my head, I Nina is very annoyed um, as annoyed as Nina gets, which is not very that um, she has to do all these steps in order to iron um, the the linen into the wool. And so she goes, yeah, so, um, you know, if I were in the 15th century, I'd have an assistant do all this. I'd have an apprentice who would get this together. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing this myself. I wouldn't have to, you know, heat up coals in this wood-burning thing and then walk all the way across my coven and, he- yes. and you know, have it heating all day. Someone would have assisted the tailor and made sure that thing was hot all the time. It, this was fascinating to me because we do, we, we I think we said, we saw in some of the promo, promo promos of them um, heating up this iron, but yeah, and there's yeah. no. Ele- so there's, there's basically like a little um, uh, ceramic um, coal, uh, Coal yeah, brazier, I guess you would call it. Yeah, just that has old... like a little chimney thing. Yeah, um, has a, a has vents at the bottom to to take in air, mm-hmm. um, and then a bunch of hot coals, and then there's a metal plate that goes on top of that, and then the iron rests on top of the metal plate. Yes, and um, it yeah, it's it's kind of amazing to see here that also. The thing that I love so much in this moment is um, is is then we get to see um, uh, Minya actually iron. Yes. <laughs> and the delicacy. I'm I am I I mean I, you know I sorry mom uh, you 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 taught me to iron a bit but really we. <laughs> Both come from the generation where um, 
part a, I thought a big part of ironing was like really like pushing the, the thing into the ironing board <laughs> that that was important um, you know yeah um because and this is you know one of one of my favorite thing I mean um because we're here it, it's because what what we do she leaves it heating up. And mm-hmm. then he has to go and do some other stuff. Yeah. But when she comes back and she ste- she has to steam the linen, it's just it's yeah. So she's mold she's heating up the linen that is backing the the wool. So they've backed it with this linen. Mm-hmm. They steam it so that the is this right? The linen fibers yes. fold around the wool, and that's yes. what holds the pleats, not the. So there's some bonding, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, n- n- not so much bonding as like just kind of forming around. Yes. Yeah. Because I thought it would be, oh, well, wow, that's cool. They've, they've got some like some linen and they're going to um, back it and that's what's going to hold the pleats. And it's like, no, 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 you can't just do that. Like they've lightly um, stitched it. So it's sort of like using interfacing, but mm-hmm. 15th century interfacing. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the next step is to actually um uh you know yes. fix the wool as they fibers say, to that. Yes, as they say, send the steam down into the pleats. Send the and steam the, down, yes. And the delicacy of 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 her doing it is just delightful to me. It's really wonderful. Like she's she's just kissing and caressing <laughs> the the fabric um with the iron. Yeah, because she uses a whole other piece of linen to do it. And it's something that I'm I'm just so curious about, you know, of course. Like, I love people's expertise in things that I have no knowledge about. That's why I love watching people make glass or mm-hmm. glassware. Mm-hmm. And this with this in particular, to know that you can't to, – to, to, to evenly spread the steam down, you have to uh, drape over an extra layer of the same type of linen um, – in order to, right. to put that which, down. Which I think what they're doing there is I I think also that that is um, soaked in some water. Oh. And that's and how they're getting the steam. That's how they're getting the steam. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is is that they're laying then the damp piece of linen over the interfacing mm-hmm. and then and then um, and then running the iron over that so that the so that it generates steam. Okay. Yes. Because there's no other way to sort of create steam there. Yeah, it's not just the heat. Yeah. Um and so one of the things that happened in between uh Ninya setting up the iron and delicately sending steam down into the pleats, um, she goes back and she finishes this uh the sleeves. Like she, mm-hmm. she's um, still making the the pinking edges for the sleeve slits, and um, she turns to Hannah. She says, "Oh, Hannah, I'm done with the slits. Are you done with the faux fur?" And Hannah's like, "Nope, nope, not done. Sorry." Sorry <laughs> it's like, "Where's my furry lining? It's just, mm. it's not, it's not finished." Um, but eventually they do finish it. But this is sort of the 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 big part of it before we go to actually put the garment on we get to the reveal yay <laughs> so they first so this is the one this is you know one of my favorite parts of it of course when they get to dress up amber and what they've made they put her in the undergarment we didn't see them make that 
No. No, that's a whole other discussion. And I, I, I do have to say that my one regret about this episode mm-hmm. is that they don't make the the red um, shoes that are in the background of the painting. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's like a gorgeous pair of of red um, of red shoes that are on the back wall there. I know that would have gone so great yeah. with, with her hair. Also. Yeah. I mean, the, the blue undergarment is amazing in and of itself. Yes. Um, yes. and, and, and then it takes like the three of them to put, <laughs> to put the, the outer garment on Amber. And one, one person is needed to find Amber. When she yes. Decided yeah, to yeah, pull yeah. her arms out. Yeah. If you've ever had to dress a kid in their winter like jumpsuit, you know this. You know the drill. It's like, give me your hand. Okay, now put this through. Put through here. Through it's like, like oh, through here. Oh my god, that's my head go. This is where the hole for your head is. <laughs> but yeah, it's just an enormous amount of fabric that they're yeah they're putting on her. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on this, Nalan? I mean, basically, you see that, like, each sleeve is a dress in and of itself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Yeah. These sleeves, holy crapness. And this is why we didn't really get to see the making of the undergarment, because it's so... We're not really going to see it. The most important part of the undergarment are the sleeves. And that was pretty easy compared to the sleeves of the outer garment, because holy crap. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's it's just a lot. Amber says it feels like insanely luxurious because it's so heavy. <laughs> yeah, and it is. It is like a demented amount of fabric. <laughs> I mean, the thing that's really funny is that it's we're used to like luxurious garments having a train. Yes, but this basically has the equivalent of a train all the way around. Yes. Yeah. It is not wearable it is not practical yeah Yeah. amber could be like another five feet tall and the hem of the of the garment would touch the ground yes maybe yes it is an enormous amount of fabric and they do have her pick up the front so that she can actually walk in it Mm -hmm. And it's exactly like the painting. Um, yeah. It folds over. It just doubles itself. And she has to rear back a little bit because it's so heavy. Because um, she is, it's so expensive, this outfit. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and it's really fun. And, and the looks on everyone's faces, everyone looks even more pleased with themselves than last week, I have to say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And, and, uh, and again, like, I, this is one of the things that I love about this show is yeah. that it, you know, um, is, is seeing people like the delight mm-hmm. that they, that people have when they've accomplished something. Yeah. And I have to say, so cause Ninja in the last, when, like when we're, um, when, when Amber is actually wearing the garment, um, you can tell because she's like, oh, it's so wonderful to see a human being in this thing that we've been making in our coven workroom. Um, mm-hmm. And also, like, Ninja's wearing this really beautiful, like, very, uh, I would say, adorable dress with mm-hmm. an orange 
um, cardigan on. Mm-hmm. And there was also something about, I was like, why does Ninya look different? Like, what's happening? And I just didn't realize, like, oh, she's on her work clothes. <laughs> right. It's like, this is like right. a celebration time. Like, we're going to, like, put this on and enjoy this. Um, but also I noticed because of the color that now I'm just noticing everyone's, the color of everyone's garment now. Yeah. Um, and I also, also thought Amber sort of looked like Santa Claus. <laughs> a green Santa well, Claus. Well, yes. It is it is very I mean they're very Christmassy colors. Yes. And in particular because of the fur. Like it's around yeah. the neck, it's coming out the sleeves, it's around, you know, or like a I guess you would call it a tree dress mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Um and yes, the green and her hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we and we find, I mean speaking of Christmas, um uh, uh Amber, uh, 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 Ninya mentions that there's a, that, that sort of around the time that, that the painting was made, there was something sort of called the mini ice age. Yes. Um, uh, which if you ever read, um, Virginia Woolf's Orlando, I mm-hmm. think there's a, there's a, um, uh, a reference to that. It was like a, a period of, I think it was like a hundred years or 70 years or so where um, temperatures in Europe dropped um, precipitously and, um, and the Thames froze over often. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so it's like, yeah, here's the thing. Like you don't have, you don't have central heating. Right. <laughs> um, you, uh, you, you know, so like, you better have some clothing that is just going to trap all of the radiating heat that your own body makes. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's, it's uh, historically cold outside. Yeah. 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 And um, also and that's, uh, that's also what Nia says is if you're going to be a lady of leisure, you will mm-hmm. need all these layers because you're not going to be doing anything. Right. So you're not even really going to be generating that much heat. <laughs> So, um, yeah, yeah, I really, I just really, really enjoyed that fun fact about that time. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, uh, just, yeah, yeah, man, it made me want to figure out, I don't want to make this, like I don't, but <laughs> I do want to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to wear it. It's like, how, what does that feel like? This is a, like even more than last week. Cause last, I mean, for the last, last episode, I really wasn't, I was like, huh, that would look interesting and fun to put on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can probably uh, imagine what it would feel like. But this was the one where I'm like, huh, I, I just don't know if that's an experience that I would like yes. to have. Um man just to feel the weight of it it's interesting yeah 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 um any last thoughts on this episode Nalen? no just you know um it is it's really delightful to see people accomplishing things i guess i i mean one thought that i do have is that you do sometimes like i was thinking about um chris um, on the last season of of Project Runway that we looked at, mm-hmm. and there was a moment, and I can't remember exactly when it was, but um, 
it it was a a ladder challenge um where he had finished doing something mm-hmm. and he was just so pleased with himself yeah and it was so adorable cuz it really wasn't it wasn't that version of like I don't care. This is I it's my vision. I like you know, it uh-huh. really was like you got the feeling that he had done something that he hadn't been able to do before and and it had all gone well and he was just like delighted with it. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like you don't really get to see that a whole lot in that show because that show's really, you know, it's built around conflict. It's built around the risk of failure you don't get to see people take um you know you get people are supposed to take pleasure in their wins but not necessarily like pleasure in the work yeah i mean and even to think about that with this outfit maybe that's also uh you know because they really struggled with this one and and struggled with figuring out the sleeves and in mm-hmm. Project Runway, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to rack my memory of when someone takes a quote unquote risk. I'm like, I'm going to take a risk and I've never done this before. How often that actually works out for them. And it doesn't often. Mm-hmm. And usually it's like, you know, you're expecting something that looks very rough or not so much worked out. And, you, and, and it's the same thing that happens on other competition shows like Top Chef with people who are very skilled but come with an arsenal of, of recipes that they've, you know, they've gotten down pat and they just kind of pull it out when it's appropriate. But when you get to see people actually try to figure something out that was very difficult mm-hmm. and accomplish something, achieve something that um, that involves a lot of, um, yeah, like just room for failure. And then and here it is. It's uh, it's demonstrated as a success and there probably were some failures <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that we didn't really get to see, but um, you know, but they, they, they figured out this incredibly complicated and unruly and, uh, and truly I would say unimaginable by our standards kind of garment. Like, you know, this is something that is in I, I love talking through this again because there's so more so than last episode that like this one is had so many other elements that I that just kind of caught me up in modern mm-hmm. ideas of garments and also modern ideas of how to make them and especially since you know just love watching Project Runway but it's rare to see them be able to work through something that's so difficult yes yeah um, yeah, we, we, uh, uh, problems or, or a particular physical challenge mm-hmm. often gets lumped into, uh, time management or the, yeah. or the, you know, or things like that, as opposed to, um, you know, the, the real pleasure in figuring out like, oh, this is the tool that does this thing yeah. and now I'm successfully going to do it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so here's sort of my final thought about the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, for all of our, um, all of our Patreon listeners, mm-hmm. for those of you who've stuck through to the end of this episode, <laughs> like, 
figure out i'm gonna give you an assignment because i'm Yay. just big on giving people assignments like come up with something that you can do before our next episode that gives you a similar sense of accomplishment i think that like we're living in a time where it's um, we feel kind of helpless in the face of so much that's going on around us. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that if we can give ourselves a moment of feeling, um, the power of our own abilities, that's, that's a real, um, way we can sustain ourselves. Uh oh, that's gonna be an assignment for me too. So go and do some good work. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have some stuff in mind actually that I actually <laughs> was thinking about today, and hmm, that's a wonderful way of dealing with a lot of what's going on right now. So, oh. Yeah, I mean, your work is so much about problem solving. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm solving existential problems. I'm solving <laughs> exactly. you know, relational problems <laughs> relational problems. And and uh you know, to sort of get into that, I'm getting to a place where um I'm probably gonna have to ask you about this on podcast, Nailin, but um how to deal with the problem of um well, I would say the solution to this problem has to be writing and having to write about what I am actually doing. Mm -hmm. So, um, because, because the interpretation of my work, I'm realizing, and I, I always feel as if I'm being a little highfalutin when I say that they're just, it's so layered and um, it's complicated, but it's it, because it's also, it's something that, I've been working on for many years and so I'm just like, huh, I need to write something. And mm -hmm. so this is this. So your assignment, I'm taking it in as a writing prompt. Awesome. For myself personally. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to do it. That's so cool. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> all right. So listeners, yeah, if you want to share with us. <laughs> yeah, please you, do. If you, what, did, what did you do that gave you a sense of accomplishment? Please do. That would be so wonderful to share and um yeah no that'd be great and then and just sort of like a like a a life-saving thing or like what do you call it? like one of those little floaties to kind of get us through mm -hmm. this very very difficult time of the year um for for various reasons um yeah yeah, that'd be that'd be wonderful. I'm also very nosy so I just want to know what y'all are up to <laughs> and how you answer Nalen's prompt Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, Nalen. So, um, would you like to share anything else with our listeners and can you uh, remind them how they can find you? Uh, you know, um, I think uh, I I think I'm pretty good. You can um, you can find me on um, on Twitter. Um, sort of less and less on 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 Twitter, hmm. um, and at Nalen Blake, um, and on Instagram at Nalen W Blake. Um, you can find me on Tumblr at uh, I think it's Nalen Blake dot Tumblr or something hmm. right there. 
Um, and on my own uh, website, um, uh, which is nalemblake.net. Uh, and, um, on the 16th, um, my, uh, my retrospective, No Wrong Holes, 30 Years of Nalem Blake, will be opening at the MIT List Center, um, and we'll have some online version of how you can view that, um, and I'll be having, a actually, uh, an online conversation with the curator of that show Jamila James at um on the 26th of October so people can um sign up to hear us talk about stuff and Ernest where can people find you yes so you can also find me on the interwebs at Ernest h-e-r-n-e-a-s-e um also on my website ernestdavis.com um, you can find me, or you can find my work, some of my very layered, complex work, up at Transformer Station in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, it's open to the public, so if you're there, you're able to get a time ticket. They're being very careful, wear your masks inside. And um, I think that's all. And also, um, you know, today we're, uh, we are taping the day after I went and completed my poll worker training. It was quite amazing. Um, Very informative. Thanks to shout out to Sharon Pratt, who was our trainer. She's been working at the Board of Elections for 20 years. And I have to say, um, poll workers work their asses off. I am going to have to get a good night's sleep. And all that being because I have to be at the polls at five o'clock. I didn't know so many things. (laughs) I'm excited, but I'm also Uh, listeners if you remember I don't like waking up before the sun is up I think it's it does something to me but you know I'll be there at 5 but all that uh, being said New Yorkers October 9th is the deadline for registering for uh, to making sure that you're registered to vote I'm also going to put the link to vote.org so you can look up and get all of the resources you need uh, all the information that you'll need to uh, make out a voting plan if you want to vote early find out where your polling places are if you want to um, sign up or actually apply for an absentee ballot you still have time to do that but all the deadlines are approaching and um, just make a plan and encourage your loved ones the people in your vicinity to also get out there and vote in the midst of all these things that are happening my goodness um, it's incredibly important to vote Um, yeah that's all I have Oh man. Perfect. <laughs> this is great. Nalen, thank you again for suggesting this show. It is such a bright spot. Yes. And there's there's more coming up. Yay. So you so y'all have at least two weeks to to um to do Nalen's assignment. <laughs> That's what that means. That's a deadline. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Um alright, so listeners, until next time. We both will say goodbye. Goodbye.